Amen. That text of Scripture I want us to look at today is in 1 Thessalonians, and it is chapter 5, verse 24. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 24. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. I could make that my testimony today after serving the Lord, well, since a student pastor uh, way back in 1978, I started preaching as a pastor to the same congregation. Forty-five years. And I can say today that God is faithful. I hope that you can say that today in your Christian life. Of all the twists and the turns and the new ways that the Lord may lead us, we may feel Him, but the Lord doesn't feel us. The word faithful simply means trustworthy. He is worthy of putting our trust in Him. Now, we do that all the time on the human level. When you go to the dentist and you put yourself in that chair, and sometimes you might even be sedated or under anesthetic, and you allow that human to put a drill in your mouth, and you can hear the grinding if you're still awake, and the dentist goes to work. That is a huge amount of trust. I remember going to the dentist one day, and I was also getting the drill, and there was some renovation work going on in the building, and there's somebody with a kango hammer in the background, and it was really reverberating through the building. And I said to the dentist, I hope that's not your drill. And I was placing myself in his care. We do the same when we go to the doctor especially the surgeon that takes the knife and opens up the body, we put a tremendous amount of trust. Now, that trust has to be earned. You have to have confidence that this person is skilled, that this is not the first time that they're doing such a procedure. They have probably done it hundreds or thousands of times, and you are building upon that reputation. Now, I always love it in the Bible when the Bible itself gives us the definition of what it means to be faithful. And if you read this text, there are two parts to it. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. That's what it is to be found faithful. If you're a faithful church member, you do it. If you're a faithful prayer warrior, you do it. If you're a faithful husband or wife, you fulfill those vows. They're not just empty words. They are followed through. And when we put our trust in God, we know that He will do it. He will follow through. I want to give you today some good solid reasons to put your trust in the faithfulness of God. 
there is firstly the record of God's faithfulness. I might hold up to you the whole Bible, the whole history of the world since Adam and Eve, and God's dealings with men and women, God bringing out a people and calling them to serve Him and worship Him. Let's start at creation. God said in Trinity, let us make man after our image. That's Genesis 1.26. And you know what? God did it. He made Adam of the dust of the ground. He made Eve of Adam's nature. And he brought forth man in his image. Now, to be made in God's image is more than just body. It means that we have a soul. We have an ability to worship Him, to commune with Him. And God has given us the gift of language, of understanding through words how to comprehend truth. And of course, that's the basis of our worship. And when God created man in His image, He made you and me a worshiper. Now, we read there in John 4, they that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so, when God made man to worship Him, He had to give him a mind and a, a, a knowledge base, a capability of understanding truth. And in that area, God is faithful, and He has done it. Then, in a holding the whole work of creation, more than just the creation itself, God's ongoing faithfulness holding up this world of creation. Think of the covenant that God made with Noah, uh, that never again would He destroy the world by a flood, that there would always be seasons, summer, winter, harvest, cold, that there would be night and day. And here we are, all these years later. Now, the change in season is very incremental. Approximately two minutes a day, we gain more light right up to June 21st, and then it goes back the other way, two minutes less, right back to the winter season again. And that's the seasons. And that's because the earth's axis is tilted a maximum of 24.5 degrees. And then it can shift back a little again. And scientists talk about the wobble effect. It's little less, little more. And the evolutionists and the atheists, they say that way back millions of years ago, there was a crash between some planet like Mars that bumped into the earth and just knocked its axis over ever so slightly by those numbers of degrees. But they can't explain how this happens every season, every year, like clockwork. Now, when God promised Noah that he would maintain the season, summer and winter, he has kept his word. We think of the covenant that God made with Moses. 
that he would bring a people out of Egypt to worship him. They would be a royal priesthood, a free people, a people that God would provide for. And you think of how he did so by the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, the manna, the water out of a rock, and for all those years until he brought them into the promised land. In fact, that promise goes back to Abraham, and it goes back generations, hundreds of years. But in the fullness of time, God fulfilled his word. He's faithful because he does what he says. That's the definition of faithful here in the Bible. And when Solomon was dedicating the temple, he said not one word of God's good promise hath failed. And that's your testimony and mine today as well. And it will be right through to glory. Not one word of God's promise hath failed us. Now, think of the messianic promises relating to the coming of our Lord Jesus. It was prophesied that he would be a counselor, a mighty God. I'm thinking of Isaiah 9, 6, that he would be a glorious person of might and of power. And yet in Isaiah, it was prophesied that he would be despised, rejected of men. And you had those Old Testament students of Scripture puzzling their minds. How will this be? He's a glorious person, and yet he's despised and rejected. He's wounded for our transgression, a man of sorrows, and yet he will gather the Gentiles. And if you ever read the book of Isaiah, you will be impressed by how many references there are to the Gentiles, the heathen nations. That's beyond Jewry. Now again, the Old Testament people had difficulty comprehending this, because in those days, to be right with God, people would have to come and join Jewry and Levitical ways of worship. But God, in the fullness of time, brought forth His Son, born of a woman, to redeem not just Israelites, but people of every nation, people, and tongue. Another example of God's faithfulness is Pentecost. And the Lord said to His disciples, tarry at Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And He promised them, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Now again, that's an experience that these apostles never had. They were still trying to get adjusted to the reality that the Lord would no longer be among them. He said, I will, I will leave you and send you another comforter, the Holy Spirit. And all of this was, was beyond human comprehension. But you and I know in the first two chapters of Acts, the fulfillment of that great promise of the outpouring and equipping of the Holy Spirit and how it led the foundation for the early church in the first century, how it mushroomed and spread 
among the nations of the world. God is faithful who also will do it. Now, there's another promise in the Bible that we have to face the reality of, and that is the Bible has warned us that in the latter days there shall be a falling away. There will be a worldwide apostasy, a turning away from the truth. And the things that we face today are scary. They are truly burdensome. And it is a difficult day to be a Christian. It's a difficult day to be a Bible-believing church. And there are forces at work in this nation and in our communities and perhaps in our families that are absolutely destructive. And yet we are called to be a faithful witness for God and depend on Him for the grace. And the Lord has promised that He will never leave Himself without a witness. I'd like you to turn to Matthew 24 and verse 14. This is a vital promise in the midst of the days in which we serve the Lord. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. And so this gospel is going to go forth. And I certainly think that we're living in a generation when this gospel has gone forth wider and with more penetration than at any other juncture in human history. We have not only radio and television, but internet. And even the Arab world and the communist countries, the gospel is reaching men and women today with, with God's blessing and with many conversions. And as has already been acknowledged, there are probably more born-again Christians in China than in the United States of America. You just try and understand that. And there are many other nations likewise. We certainly know what God has done in Nepal, a nation of Buddhists and Hindus, and yet the gospel has reached into that land. India in various parts likewise. And we have to rejoice in this. And we have to say that in the midst of a tremendous apostasy, there is also the advance of the gospel of our Lord Jesus. We lament, of course, the, the reversal of churches and ministries in the Western world and here in Canada. It's a difficult thing to take the gospel to the hearts of men today. The Bible is out of our schools. The Bible is out of our places of government. And there are liberties that have been eroded. But still we have great freedom, and we must use that freedom. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. We must not get into the bunker mentality and say there's nothing more that can be done. We just go into a hideaway. 
This is the hour that we're called to be living witnesses for the Lord Jesus and to rest on His promise. Faithful is He that calleth you who also will do it. Now, that's the record that we have, and I've taken a a scan of, of world history, basically, and looked at these great events where God has shown His mighty power. And we need to be a praying people, believing that our God is faithful and that our labors, our prayers are not in vain, and that every gospel effort, God will remain faithful to bless it. Now, that's the record of God's faithfulness. I want to switch gear now to look at God's redeeming faithfulness, because it's so part and parcel of the statement. Now, everything I've said so far is pretty much out of context of 1 Thessalonians. Now, it's okay once in a while to take a text and use it as a topic and a title and so on, but it's always better when you can take a text in context and say, okay, what did it mean when Paul wrote this letter to the Thessalonians to the people who were reading this letter for the first time. And just think about somebody showing up with a scroll and said, Paul the Apostle has written this for you. And they take that scroll and someone in the meeting begins to read what the Apostle Paul has written to these people. And he says in this text, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. But what did he say around that? Well, let's just go back one verse into verse 23 of 1 Thessalonians 5. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And so here is a message of great comfort. And that's my burden today. I want you to have this comfort. I don't want you to go home today feeling all beat up and saying the preacher was getting the wire brush out and trying to really rub people up every which way. This is a message of peace for our hearts. It can bring great comfort and great strength to our Christian lives. Then the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we've got this conviction that time is short, the day is evil, and we've got a great struggle to stay true to the gospel, pure in our walk. And here's a promise that the same God, the God of peace, will preserve you blameless. This is about preservation, keeping our hearts and minds and our testimonies until that day when we see Christ, until He returns. Now, in this chapter 5, verse 9, you will see that this is a reference to election. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain 
salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that word obtain, it's the opposite to attain. If you are told to attain to something, you must strive for it. You must be like an Olympian seeking to excel in, in progress. That's attain. But this word obtain, it means to possess it. If you have obtained something, you've got it. It's in your hands. You've laid hold upon it, and you possess it. And here the apostle said to these people, God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain or possess salvation. And so this is not doubt or fear. This is God's gift. You today, as a believer in the Lord Jesus, possess, you enjoy salvation. And that is God's gift. And then he backs it up with his faithfulness that he will preserve us unto the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the redeeming, keeping, saving work of the Lord Jesus. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Isn't it a good thing that Ian Golliher is not left to keep his own salvation? I wouldn't last a day. When I became a Christian at the age of 18, many of my friends said, give him six weeks. I, I'm surprised that they gave me so long as six weeks. God keeps whom he saves. He preserves us. And he will one day present us blameless to the Father. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. So let's get our headings here. We've got the record of God's faithfulness. We've got the redeeming mercy of God's faithfulness. And then we need one more R, the revelation of God's faithfulness. And I'm going to move on just toward the end of the chapter 5. He says in his final exhortation, verse 27, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. So, Somebody arrives with this scroll from the Apostle Paul. They work their way through it. They read it. They talk about it. And then they notice at the end that this epistle is to be read by all. And it's really true of the whole Bible. This is God's book for you. Now, this is what we call a church epistle. And it was originally specific to the Thessalonians. There were things in this book pertaining specifically to them. And yet it was to be read by all. And that's the way we handle the whole Bible. There are things that were written in the Psalms that were specific to David or Asaph in their life, in their trials. But it's also a word for me or the preaching, teaching ministry of the Lord Jesus. 
Every word is given by God, and it's given for every one of our hearts and for God's people, revealed for our faith. And so, we can take the book, and we can rest in it, and we can rejoice in it. Now, as we read the Scriptures as Christians, and I am taking the position now that you're born again, that you're saved, that you're washed in the blood, you've got a new heart, the book has been opened to your mind, but the Holy Spirit still ministers. And there you will find that there are times that this book, just, it just opens up to your own heart as if it's God speaking directly, specifically to you. And in this book of Thessalonians, there are words of great comfort. God can be trusted. That's amazing. Just let that sink in. God can be trusted. Faithful is he that calleth you. We are left without excuse. That's the challenge to our hearts today. If this book is true, if God will back up every promise and every word of this book, I am left without excuse for unbelief or disobedience. And everyone is called to trust, to place their whole confidence in the Lord. Now, I was looking at Hezekiah, and he is the man that trusted in the Lord. And it goes on to say that he trusted in the Lord, for he cleave unto him. Now, that reminds us of what the Lord tells the young husband to do. We're to leave father and mother, leave and cleave to our wife. That's a new union. And all our days till death us depart, that husband and wife are to cleave to each other. That's what Christians do. We cleave to the Lord. We lay hold upon Him in all of life for fellowship, for grace, for victory, for power over the world, and of course for peace that we will enter into glory. Now, everyone in Christ makes it home. We're told here in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of the Lord's sheep is brought home. The Lord has promised that he will lose nothing or no one. And that's you and me too. And so we have this blessed confidence and this blessed assurance as followers and disciples of the Lord Jesus. Now, when you go back to John 4, which we read together about the, the, the Samaritan lady, what a gospel to a, a sinner and how the Lord changed her life. 
And soon she was running back into Samaria saying, Come and see a man which told me all things that ever I did. The Lord knew all about her. He knew all about her sinful life. He knew all about her loneliness. He knew all about her need for victory. And this is the same Lord Jesus that we serve today. And thank God He pardons us from the past and He empowers us to serve Him in the future. And He's faithful. He will keep us unto the end. Faithful is He that calleth you who also will do it. That's the very definition of faithfulness. And we can rest in that today. Now, if you're not a Christian, if you are not a believer in the Lord Jesus, this is the truth you need. That you can depend on the Lord. You can trust Him. He will hear your cry for salvation. He will do the very thing you need pardon, peace, and fellowship with God. He will do it. And there are many here today who can testify, the Lord has done it for me. And what He has done for my soul, He can do for you. That's the testimony of every born-again, blood-washed believer. And so we take our stand and our encouragement today on this text Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Praise him all of our days. Now, we have a closing uh, hymn today. It's number 311. Come to the Savior, make no delay. Here in his word, he has shown us the way. Here in our midst, he's standing today tenderly saying, come, 311 in our hymnal. Let's stand together to sing, please. <laughs>
Father, we pray today for faith to take thee at thy word today. Lord, we need that confidence in our hearts, that inner conviction that our God will not fail us, that what thou hast promised through your Son and through the gospel of mercy and grace that you will fulfill in each one of our lives, that everyone that is redeemed by the blood will be preserved blameless until that day when Christ shall come and we shall be brought into your glorious presence. We ask that in that hope that we will labor for thee and serve thee each and every day. Bless this congregation. Help them, O Lord. Be their strength and their everything day by day in the home, in the workplace, in witnessing, in standing up for the Lord Jesus. O God, Thou hast given us this word to hope upon, and we, like Hezekiah, cleave unto Thee and obey Your word and trust in Thee with all our hearts. And I bless our fellowship. Be with us this hour, and those who may leave us, go with them. May the presence of the Lord be with your people until we meet again. Amen. Amen.